Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, Does the federal government, check that, does a president, not the federal government, does a president alone have the power to use the executive branch to impose vaccine mandates on the American people. Can you point to one instance in American history where this has occurred? People have falsely pointed to polio and chickenpox and so forth. All of those are mandates that have been imposed by states. By states. Not by the federal government. There are none. There are none. And this is the hubris that we see today when it comes to the Democrat Party, when it comes to Biden, and when it comes to the media, which have no interest in informing and educating the American people as they push their agenda, which is always the same as the Democrat Party. Can you point to one example in recent history where the agenda of the Democrat Party and the agenda of the media aren't identical? I can't think of any. I can't think of any. So what did Joe Biden do? He and his lawyers were trying to look for any hook they could possibly find to try and impose a mandate on the private sector. A hundred employees or more for any corporation. The problem is it's never been done before and there are no statutory bases for such a mandate. But it didn't matter They talk about lawlessness. They talk about insurrections. It didn't matter. 
Well, in the case of Schumer, he talks about erections, but that's a whole other story. They didn't care. So they took OSHA, Occupational Safe and Healthy Health Administration, that was founded under Richard Nixon, which never had any direct medical responsibility, and twisted the statutory language to accommodate the demands of Joe Biden. Complete and utter lawlessness by the Department of Justice, by White House Counsel, and of course by the Department of Labor, including OSHA. Media never had a problem with it. Perfectly fine. This isn't the first time Biden's done this, where they claim the CDC had the authority to impose rent controls nationwide via landlords. Of course, the CDC doesn't have that kind of power. But it shows you the mindset of the totalitarian left. It shows you the mindset of the totalitarian media. They have no interest in individual liberty. They have no interest in the Constitution. Nothing. None. But one of the things that's also frightening is when you have justices on the Supreme Court who are absolute ignoramuses. And the dumbest among them is Sonia Sotomayor. Sonia Sotomayor. I might as well be the first one to point it out. People dance around it. She is dumb. She's sort of the AOC of the Supreme Court. Sonia Sotomayor at oral arguments today says Omicron is as deadly as Delta. Now, anybody who has spent three minutes looking at this knows that's BS. And every single government knows it's BS. But we have a justice on the Supreme Court who doesn't know and could care less. Could care less. Let's listen in part to what she had to say. Cut five, go. Counsel, those numbers show that Omicron um, is as deadly uh, and causes as much serious disease in the unvaccinated as Delta did. That's a flat-out lie. Absolute flat-out lie, and everybody knows it. Go ahead. Look at the hospitalization rates that are going on. We have more affected people in the country today than we had a year ago in January. Um, We have hospitals that are almost at full capacity. No, we don't. No, we don't. Another lie. Go ahead. People is severely ill on ventilators. We have over 100,000. No, we don't. That's a lie. Go ahead. Children which we've never had before. No, we don't have 100,000 children in serious condition. Go ahead. Serious condition and uh, many on ventilators. No, we don't. That's a lie. Go ahead. So saying it's a different variant just underscores the fact that without the... without. some workplace rules uh, uh, with respect to vaccines, encouraging vaccines, because this is not a vaccine mandate, and uh, inc- and requiring masking, 
um, and requiring isolation of people who have tested for COVID because none of you have addressed that part of the ETS. Is All right, let's just- wait here. So she's making policy arguments based on lies. That's number one. What is her job? What is her job? She's a Supreme Court justice. Her job is to determine whether or not the president has the power to impose these mandates and under what authority. Not to make policy arguments, and by the way, stupid arguments based on lies. Go ahead. That should be self-evident to the world, but is not, which is if you're sick, you can't come into work. The workplace can't let you into the workplace and you shouldn't go on unmasked. That's not the question before the court. The question before the court is whether Joe Biden has the power to compel mandates. States have plenary police powers, not the federal government. Period. Period. They do a damn good job when it comes to polio and all these other vaccines and requirements and so forth. They've done a lousy job, many of them, when it comes to this virus in terms of civil liberties and the destruction of people's lives and businesses and the protection of nursing home patients. Go ahead. Here she goes. Cut six. We are now having deaths at an unprecedented amount. Catching COVID keeps people out of the workplace for extraordinary periods of time. And there have been proof in certain industries like the medical industry that when um, vaccines are mandated, and there's no mandate here for a vaccine, there is a masking mandate. No different. She's not even coherent when there's vaccine. Did she not say when there's vaccine mandates, but there's no vaccine mandate here, Mr. Producer? And masks. What's the scientific evidence that masks work? You won't get any straight information out of Fauci or the CDC. They've backed off even now. Go ahead. Um, when we tell people that if there are sparks flying in the workplace where you have workers have to be provide have to wear a mask. So that's no different to, in my mind than this. Yes, but it's very different because OSHA has nothing to do with medicine. There are not medical experts of the sort that you have in other aspects of the federal government and in the private sector in OSHA. Go ahead. Well, this is not a vaccine mandate. There are costs and deaths and other things countervailing to the fact that there might be one to three percent of workers who leave. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incoherent in every respect. And her approach is thoroughly contrary to the responsibility of a Supreme Court justice. And this is why justices should not make decisions about medicine. They should make decisions about the law. They're not trained and they don't have a staff. They have clerks. That's all they have. And in the case of this justice, she must not even have a television or a radio or a newspaper. Because she has no idea what the hell is going on swirling around her or the country. Elena Kagan is not much better. Cut seven, go. 
I guess I, I just don't see this as a situation, you know, a typical arbitrary, capricious situation where we say, oh, you didn't consider an alternative carefully enough. We all know what the best policy is. I mean, by this point, two years later, we know that the best way to prevent spread is for people to get vaccinated. And Not to necessarily. Pre- I was vaccinated. And I got the virus, as do many other people. That's not necessarily the case. I would love to see the statistics. We do know that people who do get this virus are less likely to get it again. Some do. Some do. Go ahead. Dangerous illness and death is for people to get vaccinated. That is by far the best. The second best is to wear masks. So this is a policy that basically says... No, wearing masks does not save people's lives. The CDC has never even said that. Wearing masks does not save people's lives. They make presumptions and assumptions. They throw out hypotheses. But they don't conclude with definitive evidence or statistics that masks save lives. Because they don't. They don't. Go ahead. We are still confronting thousands of people dying uh, every time we look around. And so we're going to put into place the policy that we know works best, which is to strongly incentivize vaccination and to insist. No, the question isn't the policy that works best, even if it does. The question is who or what has the authority to institute such a policy? That's the issue. And notice they don't even discuss it. Based on what authority? Congress has not given the executive branch this authority. Congress has not given any part of the executive branch this authority. The states have this authority under the Constitution of the United States. And I notice not one of these radical activist judges, not one of these justices, the radical activists among them, talked about the blue states where they thoroughly and completely lock down and inconvenience their citizens and what's happened with the spread in those areas. So what Kagan is saying is simply not true. Go ahead. Vaccinated people will wear masks and test. I mean, that's just like, uh, why isn't that necessary? What else should be done? It's, it's obviously the policy that's that, uh, geared to... She's not, prevent- again, the policy argument is not what she is responsible for, thank God, because she's not a doctor, even though she likes to play one. Now, we have many experts, infectious experts, from Stanford, from Yale, from Oxford, from Rockefeller College, from all over this country... We've talked about it. We've talked to several of them who talk about herd immunity. You're not allowed to talk about herd immunity anymore. You're allowed to talk about the 2020 election or the founding of this nation. It's so unacceptable. So anti-PC. And they've all said until there's a certain level of natural immunity where people get the antibodies from getting the virus... This thing won't be kicked, largely kicked. It'll never be fully kicked, but largely kicked. And we had one expert on my show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, 
from Yale, top expert, Dr. Risch, who said he believes about 70% of the population has had this virus. So these justices really do not know what they're talking about. They're making policy arguments. But I want you to hear more of this. It's very, very important you understand these men and women on the court are of blood and flesh. And some of them are not that intelligent. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for free. And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Unfortunately, we only have a short segment here, so uh, I will continue with Justice Stephen Breyer. Then we'll move on to Neil Gorsuch and Sam Alito, uh, because that's worthy of listening to as well. And then I want to remind you, and unfortunately, uh, history is not a strong suit in this country, even recent history, of what occurred in 1976 during the presidency of Gerald Ford. It was something called the swine flu. And a vaccine was developed to deal with the swine flu. And I feel in part the remnants of what took place as a result of that vaccine and that episode in American medical history uh, last today. A dear, dear friend of mine who passed away a little bit ago, a little over a year ago, Rick A. Bell, a great patriot, a great Reaganite, a political appointee. I would say for decades, almost up to the end of his life, he served on a special administrative court. And all they did every day, day in and day out, for somewhat like 20 years, is make determinations on, on the amount of money that would be received by people who got sick and died as a result of the government-authorized vaccines. I'll be right back. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education, and it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month, and you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. 
There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love freedom make it possible for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for free. And Primus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great Digest of Liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. You've heard of Lady Liberty? Well, this is Mr. Liberty. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Stephen Breyer. Another justice of the Supreme Court during the oral argument today at the Supreme Court. It really was a disaster. It was an embarrassment, quite frankly. Cut eight, go. My question really is, what I'd like to turn this to, is uh, stay. You heard what I asked. I mean, you know, 750 million new cases yesterday or close to that is uh, a lot. There were not 750 million new cases yesterday. First of all, there's 330 million people in the United States, right, Mr. Producer? So I have no idea what he's talking about, and he has no idea what he's talking about. Go ahead. I don't mean to be facetious, but that, that, that's why I said I, I would find it, you know, unbelievable that it could be in the public interest. To suddenly stop these vaccinations. And he's talking about stopping vaccinations. Does he even know what's being debated? His colleague, Sotomayor, just said nobody's mandating vaccinations. And then he says it would be unbelievable if we stop these vaccinations. Are they even dealing with the same set of information? Are they dealing with reality? Go ahead. It was given was a lot of people will quit. Uh, Well, OSHA considered that. My wonderful law clerk has 61,475, 63,422, 61,466, 61,474, and 475. Those are pages. I don't think you should read all 61,000. But nonetheless, there are at least five or ten pages where they went into this. And they wow, said, five or ten pages where they went into this. And of 61,000 and change. So the experts at OSHA, who are not experts at all, certainly not in this area, they looked at five or ten pages. They looked at this. Go ahead. Uh, in our view, hmm. yeah, that's right. Some people may quit. Maybe three percent. By the way, is he on something? He's with this guy. Go ahead. When they discover they have to work together with unvaccinated others, because that means they may get the disease. Okay. Why would they get the disease under your theory, sir, if they're vaccinated? What's the point of the vaccination? See, you all sound like Fauci. Fauci. You make no sense, and yet you want the authority to dictate. Dictate what? The reason you get vaccinated is so you don't catch these things. You don't catch the measles. You don't catch this or that, polio. Most people don't get vaccinated because they don't want to spread a disease. They get vaccinated because they don't want to get the disease. 
So if you're vaccinated and vaccinated again and get the booster and wear a mask and the guy next to you isn't, aren't you supposed to be safe? Well, it's not perfect, but do it. That's the argument. Go ahead. More will quit because they'll be maybe die or maybe they'll be in the hospital or maybe they'll be sick and have to stay home. Was that in the five to ten pages from OSHA? Go ahead. So they did the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. But it's not their job to do the pros and cons. And they're not qualified to do the pros and cons. And legally, they're not authorized to do the pros and cons. Perhaps you're familiar, sir, with the Constitution and police powers. Neil Gorsuch, Justice Gorsuch, at the oral argument, cut nine, go. Now, you argue we should not consider the major questions doctrine unless and until we find a statutory ambiguity. I understand that. But let's, let's say the court does find such an ambiguity. I know you'll contest the premise, but let's just work on it. If, if there is an ambiguity, why isn't this a major question that therefore belongs to the people's representatives in the states and in the halls of Congress, given that the statute at issue here is, as the Chief Justice pointed out, 50 years old, doesn't address this question. The rule affects, I believe, we're told, 80 million people, and the government reserves the right to extend it to every private business in the country. Traditionally, states have had the responsibility for overseeing vaccination mandates. I rejected a challenge to one just the other day from New Mexico. Um, Congress has had a year to act on the question of vaccine mandates already. As the Chief Justice points out, it appears that the federal government is going agency by agency as a workaround to its inability to get Congress to act. Um, The risks imposed here are not unilateral. There are risks to those who choose not to be vaccinated that they're trying to avoid sometimes, as you discussed with Justice Alito and conceded to him. Traditionally, OSHA has had rules that affect workplace hazards that are unique to the workplace and don't involve hazards that uh, affect individuals 24 hours a day. No, so what? So what? It's a policy decision, don't you see? It's a policy decision. And the federal government always has the answers. Fauci's had the answers, hasn't he? And then finally for us, Sam Alito, cut 10, go. Has any other, has OSHA ever imposed any other safety regulation that uh, imposes some extra risk, some different risk on the employee? So that if you have to wear a hard hat on the job, wearing a hard hat has some adverse health consequences. Can you think of anything else that's like this? I can't think of anything else that's precisely like this, but I think that to suggest that OSHA is precluded from using the most common, routine, safe, effective, proven strategy to fight an infectious disease at work uh, would be a departure from how this statute should be understood. I don't know what that means, and I don't really care. And so here you see most of this is about a policy, policy arguments 
They dare not argue the Constitution because that does not authorize the President of the United States to make these unilateral decisions. I want to tell you a little historical story, not really that long ago, with the help of the Smithsonian Magazine. On February 4, 1976, a young soldier named David Lewis died of a new form of flu. In the middle of the month, F. David Matthews, the U.S. Secretary of Health, under Gerald Ford, HEW, Health, Education, and Welfare, announced that an epidemic of the flu that killed Private Lewis was due in the fall. He said, the indication is that we will see a return of the 1918 flu virus that is the most virulent form of flu. He went on, 1918 outbreak of Spanish flu killed half a million Americans and the upcoming apocalypse was expected to kill a million. That earlier pandemic was another form of the swine flu, DeJusto writes, and researchers at the Centers for Disease Control thought that what was happening could well be a new, even deadlier strain that was genetically close to the 1918 strain. So to avoid an epidemic, the CDC believed, at least 80% of the United States population would need to be vaccinated. When they asked Congress for the money to do it, politicians jumped on the potential good press of saving their constituents from the plague. The World Health Organization adopted more of a wait-and-see attitude to the virus. They eventually found that the strain of flu that year was not a repeat or escalation of the 1918 flu, but, quote, the U.S. government was unstoppable, Justo writes. They had promised a vaccine, so there needed to be a vaccine. This all happened in the spring with emergency legislation for the, quote, National Swine Flu Immunization Program, unquote, being signed into effect in mid-April. By the time immunizations began on October 1, though, the proposed epidemic had failed to emerge, although Legionnaires' disease had emerged and confused matters. With President Ford's re-election campaign looming on the horizon, the campaign increasingly appeared politically motivated, Another author writes, Creston, in the end, one journalist at the New York Times went so far as to call the whole thing a fiasco. They'd never do that today. Epidemiology takes time. Politics is often about looking like you're doing something, and logistics between branches of government are extremely complicated. These factors all contributed to the pandemic that never was. Now, this is a different fact case, but that's okay. The real victims of this pandemic were likely the 450-odd people who came down with Julian Barr syndrome, a rare neurological disorder, after getting the 1976 flu shot. On its website, the CDC notes that people who got the vaccination did have an increased risk of approximately one additional case of GBS for every 100,000 people who got the swine flu vaccine. Several theories as to why this happened exist, but the exact reason for this, writes the CDC, remains unknown. As for the flu shot today, the CDC writes, if there's any increased risk, it's very small, about one in a million. Studies suggest that it is more likely that a person will get GBS after getting the flu than after the vaccination. Well, that's what they write. But there were literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people who were affected very negatively as a result of the vaccine. And that's a matter of fact. And that's a matter of fact. And in many cases, they didn't find out until several years later. So these medicines, these vaccines, 
can have consequences, unanticipated, unexpected consequences. And look, I've told you before, I'm not anti-vaccine. I've been vaccinated. I got the booster. I had J&J. Later, they tell us it's probably the weakest of the bunch. And then I got the virus. And I think what was the most important medical decision for me was the monoclonal antibodies that we took within 24 hours of getting this virus as a result of the governor of Florida having them available in over 20 sites throughout the state of Florida, which Joe Biden has not talked about but once, mentioned it once, which is not promoted by the American media ever. There's nothing controversial about this. Nothing. Uh, As the media tries to make anything that's off the shelf controversial, this isn't really off the shelf, but it is life-saving. Absolutely life-saving. It's provably life-saving. And they don't talk about it. They never talk about it. And so I wanted to point this out. These justices, particularly the ones that don't even have the basic facts in front of them that we talk about here, that other people talk about, that are available to all of us, which are debated all the time, are completely out of it. They have no idea what's taking place. Sotomayor, Breyer, Kagan, they choose not to inform themselves? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. My friends, I know you love freedom and want to defend it. And I know you love the Constitution. Well, so do I. And it's the same with Hillsdale College, the best liberal arts college in America. Hillsdale's mission is pursuing truth and defending liberty. It gives its undergraduate and graduate students the best education. And it is working to make this education available to all. But today, I want to tell you about Hillsdale's free monthly speech digest of liberty. It's called Imprimus. Over 6 million households and businesses receive Imprimus for free every month. And you can join them by subscribing at levinforhillsdale.com. There are no strings attached. Generous donors who love free to make it possible for Hillsdale to send Imprimus to you for free. Imprimus is one of my favorite publications. It's short, smart, useful, and fun. Start receiving your own free copy of this great digest of liberty. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. You know, one thing that would help, obviously, in a country like ours especially, is if we could have a free and open debate on these issues. A free and open debate. But we can't. Big tech shuts people down, including experts, who disagree with government policy, despite the fact that government policy swings wildly in one direction or another. Broadcast companies have told hosts in some instances that they're not to question the wisdom or the efficacy of the vaccines or the election for that matter anyway that's preposterous the reason we have a first amendment the reason we have a first amendment is so you and I can speak and debate regardless of what the government says or thinks 
we have experts all over this country who are not employed directly by the federal government and don't work directly for the bureaucracy. Many of them in our colleges and universities. Many of them work in private corporations. And they're not allowed to disagree. They're not allowed to provide their own points of view. It's the same with climate change, if you think about it. We have experts all over this country that raise questions about the so-called science not being science at all, that this has been politicized, just as this vaccine has been politicized. Now, one of the great things about this country is adults can make decisions about their own lives as long as they don't harm somebody else. But, Mark, if you get the virus, you could harm somebody else. If you get the virus, you can harm somebody else. Well, theoretically, if you get vaccinated, how would you be harmed? The problem is that the science in this case has been politicized. That's why you have illegal aliens coming into this country who are not tested and are not vaccinated. That's why you have politicians in this country that break their own rules and go unmasked. The American people benefit from open debate, competition of ideas, and that's the nature of making proper decisions. That's the nature of science. Just because Albert Einstein came up with stuff doesn't mean it wasn't challenged. It was challenged. And in some cases, it caused him to improve. Improve on his ideas, improve on his his conclusions. And that's the nature of science. This is what we've done throughout the beginning of mankind. Improving upon what we know. Challenging what has been said before, what has passed before. Except now. If it comes from the government, that's the rule. That's the way it is. And the media in this country, whether it's this, whether it's climate change, whether it's other things, they become a, a, to, a force for totalitarianism and anti-free speech. Don't forget, big show this Sunday, one-on-one for the full hour with Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida from the Florida Levin Television Studio. Don't forget, if you can't watch it live, you're definitely going to want to DVR the program. And by the way, one hell of a monologue if I say so myself. So it'll be the first new show of the year. The past two weeks, you've had uh, reruns. This is the first new show of the year. Please don't miss it. And I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. I don't normally do this. No, not that. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do it now. I don't normally go to the call screen early in an hour 
But I got to thinking, this week, I didn't take very many calls. Now, I don't feel obligated to take calls any more than I feel obligated to have guests or not have guests and so forth and so on. But there's a lot that's been going on that affects you, the American people, directly. So I want to try and correct that a little bit by going to calls. Now, again, I have a whole pile of things that I would like to get into, and you know I'm not the one that speeds through everything to make sure I go through a checklist and so forth. I like to, to go a little deeper on things. But let's do that. Let's do that. So let me, let me begin with Scott, St. George, Utah, on XM Satellite. Scott, how are you, sir? Or maybe not, Mr. Producer. We'll see. All right, let's try Jim, Detroit, Michigan, on the Mark Levin app. Jim, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you, Mark? Very well, thank you. Uh, the reason why I wanted to call is um, I'm a 61-year-old male. I've been now voting for 43 years. Can you prove that, sir? And um, Yeah, I guess I could if I, if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem that I have is that we're supposed to be living in a limited, our constitutionally limited republic with representatives. And I really don't believe that my wills and needs have been represented for the past 43 years. Mm-hmm. Now, why 43 as opposed to 46 or something? Well, because I couldn't vote before I was 18 unless I was a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, everybody who votes... The representatives can't represent all of what we want at the same time. I get that. But I think your broader point, and if I'm wrong, you'll correct me, is there's a disconnect generally. And that is Absolutely. The, the left in this country has destroyed the connection between the people and the government while they pretend that's what they represent. It's all top down. It's all centralized. They do it in the name of the people. But whether or not the people consent... And uh, I agree with you 100% if that's your position. Well, and it's even worse than that. And and so one thing the American people have to realize, too, we're partly responsible for this because we refer to these people that we elect as our leaders. I'm sorry, but I'm a grown man. I don't need to be led. I need people who represent my wills and desires and what I want out of my government. And I have not had that. I don't want people who represent my desires. I want people who follow the Constitution so I can pursue my desires. Slightly different. And so, in other words, defend the liberty that is ours by birth. Defend our unalienable rights. What we have now is we have one Democrat-led uh, agenda after another coming into power. They don't listen to the people. They have an agenda of what they want to get accomplished and they shove it down our throats. And I'm tired of it. I agree with you. As a matter of fact, they hate us. We are when now- the people rise up, as they did with the Tea Party, the people rise up with two landslide elections for Reagan. When the people rise up and they elect Trump, when the people rise up, they want to put us down. 
the, 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 the Democrat Party, and in many ways the Republican Party, but especially the Democrat Party, uh, does nothing to advance the cause of individual liberty, of economic liberty, or liberty of any kind. Nothing. Nothing. All right, my friend, thank you for your call, Jim. Excellent call. Let us continue, shall we? Yes, we shall. Let's go to William Livermore, California, the great KSFO. William, how are you? William, speaker forever, hold yourself. All right, what's going on with the phone lines now? William, are you there? All right, let's try, uh, let's try another caller, shall we? Let's go to our friend Jimmy in Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Jimmy, are you there? Jimmy, lower your radio. Go right ahead. Jimmy, are you there? All right, Mr. Producer, we can tell our crack staff of engineers that our call phone doesn't work again. Again. And why not? It's the second biggest show in America. Right? Let's do this. Amy Rochester, New York, the great WABC. She's listening. How are you? I'm good. See, How are you? Very well, thank you. Go right ahead. One second. Um, I wanted to know, in your opinion, whether or not Justice Thomas and Justice Alito are going to be able to, um, during deliberations, focus the justices on what their true job is. Not get into these policy decisions or discussions because they are based on opinion. So, I mean, Justice Thomas is all about following the law and the con- interpreting the Constitution. Oh, well, you're quite right, and the answer is no, uh, because Kagan is an ideologue, Breyer is a longtime ideologue, and Sotomayor is a very stupid person and an ideologue. Uh, you have a few on there who are playing games. Uh, the Chief Justice does often. Uh, I'm afraid Barrett may be in, in that camp. We'll see soon enough. Um, and Kavanaugh from time to time. So really... Uh, it's the, the, the two most solid constitutionalists, the kind of justices that the framers had in mind, are, are Thomas and Alito. Uh, and, uh, and then Gorsuch most of the time. And then uh, the others, uh, in case of the Chief Justice, uh, his decision in Obamacare, uh, and also his, uh, his conduct when it came to the Pennsylvania cases that were coming to the court, were a disgrace. Absolutely disgrace. I don't right. trust him at all. So to answer your question, no. All right, I just wanted to say one more thing. Um, I was able to be on Rush Limbaugh's last day um, on February 2nd a year ago, and I made my whole year, and I was able to make him laugh. And he he, um, he mimicked um, Christine Balzi Ford, and it made me so happy to make him laugh. No, no, no. Tell me what you made him laugh? I made Rush laugh. You um, called in and I you got, got through? T- tell us about it. Yes, I got through on, on this very, very last day on, fe- on February 2nd, and I got through seriously, and I wanted to talk about AOC hiding in the bathroom and, and you know, all that fear, and I was really a survivor. And so when you do, you can either crawl, crawl into a shell, or I became a lawyer, and I have an MBA with honors, and I'm I remember you. And I read all of your books, by the way. I, yeah. I remember you, Amy. My name's Bab. Yeah, I was so happy that I made this man who didn't feel well happy for a moment. And uh, God bless his wife, because what a loss. Don't you uh, miss Rush? 
every single day. I, my so family's all so passed away, and he, yeah, he's like a father to so many of us. Right. But anyways, thank you so much for letting me on. I appreciate it, and I appreciate all that you do. And my 17-year-old was a rush baby, and now she listens to you and has read your books as well. Wow. And going to school at Hillsdale. Well, thank you. Oh, Hillsdale. Wonderful, wonderful. Look at you, Amy. That's wonderful. Thank you very, very much. I was mentioning this to somebody. I think it was my wife the other day, how much I missed Rush. It's just not the same. And by the way, I'm not talking about the other shows. There's nothing to do with the other shows. I'm talking about Rush. It's just not the same. This isn't a put-down of anybody. You know, if he were in my slot, same thing. I'd miss him. And, uh, you know, I know where he lived. I know where the townhouse was in Palm Beach, where he used to broadcast from. Uh, I've been down here the last few days uh, checking up on an, on an ill family member. And uh, earlier today, I, I actually drove by, not intentionally, but you can't miss it. I drove by... Uh, the townhouse where he used to broadcast from. Uh, it's an office building. And I thought about it. Much I missed him. And uh, it's hard not to. With his. Uh, uh, with the date coming up. A real anniversary worth remembering. All right. I'll be right back. Mark in. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You know, uh, when you think about. My Sunday show on Fox, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is a show that faces incredible competition. Sunday night football for four months out of the year. Actually longer when you consider the pregames. Sunday night football for five months out of the year. And then the other big games, often on Sundays, the playoff games. So really, Sunday night football, Mr. Producer, I'd say half the year, no? Six months out of the year, right in the teeth of it, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Nobody else has to, has to face that kind of competition. But I love it. I'll take on any competition. And this is because of you. 
if you can't watch it live, you'll DVR the program. Now, this isn't to put down other shows at night, whether they're Saturday night or weeknights or whatever. Everybody's got their own competition they have to deal with. And before I came on, on Sunday nights on cable, there were no ratings on Sunday nights. 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9, 0. 0.7, maybe they had a one share, maybe that was a big deal. No ratings. And so my show comes on, it starts at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. The worst time slot in the whole week. Why? Because I wanted it. Becomes the highest rated show on Sunday nights. Often of the whole weekend. The show's moved up to 8 p.m. Right into the teeth of football for half the year. And it's a powerhouse show, thanks again to you, and to a different format. I don't copy anybody. I don't lift anything from anybody. I think for myself, it's been the way I have been since I was a kid. I don't need to. I don't want to. Then you look at this radio program. Those of you on the West Coast or the Midwest, this show airs 6 p.m. Eastern Time. For a lot of the country, a lot of the big cities, the East Coast and so forth. 6 p.m. Eastern Time. No syndicated show had ever worked at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. In fact, almost no local show would work at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on WABC or WOR in New York or other major stations in other major cities along the uh, Eastern Corridor. And here we are, year number, I don't know what it is anymore. How long have I been syndicated, Rich? I don't even remember. Syndicated. Yeah. 15, 15 or 16 years. I'm guessing around 16 years. And we've never looked back. We've had all kinds of competition thrown at us. I think now, in terms of syndication, we're on the, the sixth or seventh one. doesn't matter. Throw whatever you want. It's of no consequence. Everything's tried. It doesn't work. Why? Because of me? No, because of you. 16 years. Mr. Uh, Producer's like the rain man when it comes to this stuff. February 2006. So this is our anniversary of being syndicated. How do you like that? How do you like that? I'm going to buy myself a cake. Anyway, um, so think about that. Think about your role in all of this. And then I come out with a book, American Marxism. We're almost at 1.3 million sales. 1.3 million. People scratch their heads. How does he do this? I don't do it. You do it. And part of the problem is, whether it's TV, my point being, radio, or my books... You're disrespected by the media. You're disrespected by politicians. You're disrespected by phony experts and academics. You're even disrespected by so-called conservatives. How does he sell that many books? He doesn't sell that many books. You 
buy that many books because you're interested in topics and you're quite capable of taking your time and getting through books that are more difficult than some of the others that are slapped together and thrown out there. The left could never read a book like mine. They're incapable of it. Absolutely incapable of it. When people write about me, which isn't often, but when they do, they have no idea who I am. They do not talk to me. They do not interview me. And they don't understand you or know you either. They project upon us. The New York York Times has no interest in you whatsoever. None. And yet it's the paper record. The Washington Post has no interest in you whatsoever. None. None. The media. They would rather attack you than understand you. Chuck Todd has no interest in who you are. Trump supporter. Let me, let me give you an example. My wife sent me an email early today. Uh, excuse me, a text. The hell did I do with my phone? I can't find it, which is uh, typical of me. I can't find my glasses and I can't find my phone all the time. So I put it down somewhere. But anyway, uh, there's a gentleman, I believe his name is Brian. It's a man who works at a factory. And a man who has a very modest home in West Virginia. Right across the street where my brother-in-law used to live, who passed away recently. Joe. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Brian's not a PhD. He didn't get a master's degree. I don't even know if he went to college. It doesn't matter. He's a hard-working man. He loves his country, and he pays his taxes. And he sends a text to my wife, Julie, and he tells her, in so many words, please thank Mark for his books. I'm reading American Marxism now. He's reading American Marxism. He works in a factory. He's a man who lives in West Virginia, has a modest home, exactly the kind of man that our press trash, exactly the kind of man that they character assassinate. Our country's filled with men like Brian, and they're the people who make this country work, not these creeps and cronies on TV, I can tell you that. I'll be right back. Tyranny Hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, ladies and gentlemen, because Brett Baer's show is on when my show is on, I wasn't able to listen to the interview with Liz Cheney, but we have a couple of clips that I think uh, are quite revealing of Liz Cheney. So uh, just get ready for those. I think they're very important. So last evening... Brett Baer interviewed Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney will not come on this program. And he asked her a couple of questions that I think is very important. First, cut 15, go. 
But it sounds like, Congresswoman, that the goal of the committee perhaps is to go after Trump's inner circle and prevent the former president from running for president again. Is that a fair assessment of the goal? No, the goal of the committee is what I said. Uh, you know, we are a, a committee of Congress. Our responsibility is a legislative purpose to determine what laws we have in place, what additional laws we might need to prevent uh, an attack like that from ever happening again. Uh, and we need to understand what happened. We we need to know um, what members of this body uh, were doing, what they were engaged in. Of course, she's a liar. That's not really what she's trying to do. Absolute liar. For the reason that Brett Baer focuses in on next. Cut 16, go. What about the security failure here? The uh, Capitol Police, the architect of the Capitol, the Senate Sergeant of Arms have all turned over requested documents um, to the House Administration's Committee overlooking the security aspect. The House Sergeant of Arms has not. Um, Speaker Pelosi has said that uh, that the House Sergeant of Arms uh, requested the National Guard, passed a note. There are open questions about the Speaker's uh, involvement and interactions with the Sergeant of Arms during that time. And yet, Chairman Thompson has announced on your committee that the Speaker's office is off limits and that there's no call for those documents for the House Sergeant of Arms. Why, why is that if, if it's designed to prevent something like, that, like this from not happening again? Well, uh, look, the, the committee itself is very focused on, on that issue. You know, we have an entire, leg entire investigative team focused on the security failures of that day, focused on the response of that day. Um, we've got investigators who are looking at exactly the kinds of things that you've mentioned. So, so that, that is a really important set of issues. No office is off limits. Uh, no issue is off limits. We certainly need to get to the bottom of that. But it's important, Brett, to remember that if you say that the security lapses at the Capitol are to blame but, for but, 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 but you're not going to get to the bottom of that you haven't subpoenaed her records any of them you haven't subpoenaed her records that's the point you have a whole other team looking into this I don't know what that means nobody knows what that means but apparently you're not because you're a phony go ahead the assault on the Capitol by a mob provoked by President Trump that's the same thing you as see saying what I mean folks there was no mob provoked by President Trump. Mob provoked by President Trump. He said, go to the Capitol, bust into the Capitol, and stop the vote. They have nothing to support that. Nothing. Go ahead. All business owners whose businesses... Ah, I don't want to hear her anymore. I don't want to hear her anymore. I've had enough of her. The fact is she's a liar. The fact is that she's trying to settle a personal personal score. But you're not supposed to do, uh, obviously, with, uh, with government resources and so forth. I don't doubt she'll run for president in the Republican primary. She'll just go down in the history books. You know, that's her goal now, legacy. It turns out she was sitting there yesterday listening to Pelosi's speech with her father, the former vice president is very disappointed in Republican leadership. It's unbelievable what's happened to these people. Unbelievable. Those of us who defended them over the years. It's just, uh, it's just incredible, their hate for Donald Trump. And yet recall it's Trump who gave a full pardon to Scooter Libby. George W. Bush didn't have the guts to do it. He didn't have the guts to do it. 
And there, there you have it. Now, let us move on. I don't even want to talk about her anymore because I don't care. Ex-Trumpers. Ex-Trumpers. What are ex-Trumpers doing, ladies and gentlemen? Well, let's look here. Politico, which has gotten increasingly radicalized, it's always been a leftist operation, but now it can barely control itself. Ex-Trumpers set to plot how to try and take down Trump. Isn't it amazing? Donald Trump is out of office. But they fear him. If they didn't fear a Trump run, why do they keep talking about him? Why do they keep talking about him? Can't be because they actually believe in republicanism slash democracy, because clearly the media do not. Clearly the Democrats do not. Clearly academia does not. Ex-Trumpers set to plot how to try and take down Trump. Those involved include Stephanie Grisham, her book failed, Miles Taylor, whoever that is, Olivia Troy, and Anthony Scaramucci. What a puke that guy was. By Meredith McGraw and Daniel Lippin. group of former Trump administration officials are banding together in an effort to block their former boss from entering office again. Now think about that line. The meeting of the group announced by former White House Press Secretary and Chief of Staff to the First Lady, Stephanie Grisham, a real reprobate. You serve somebody and then you try and make a buck talking about them in a book. Is scheduled for next week. Now, now look at this. Why is this news? That a handful of retreads, retrogrades, losers and failures are getting together to have a meeting next week to stop Trump. Why is that, why, why is that a big issue? It's not. It's scheduled for next week where they will discuss how to try and stop former President Donald Trump and the kind of violence and rhetoric that has been talked about and continues to divide our country. I guess they didn't hear Biden yesterday. I guess they never listened to Pelosi. I guess they're not aware of the stooges, AOC and her ilk. Notice this group of retreads, failures, and frauds. Notice... They don't speak out against the anti-Semitism of the Democrat Party. Notice that? Notice they don't speak out against the racism of critical race theory being pushed by the Democrat Party. Notice they say nothing of the open borders and the criminal elements that are coming into this country. Predators, killers, MS-13, the drugs that are coming into this country and killing people. No, they don't want to form a group to stop Biden and the Democrats. They want to form a group to stop Trump. This is how they draw attention to themselves. Nobody cares about Stephanie Grisham or Scarapuki or whatever the hell his name is. Little runt. In an interview with CNN in the morning of January 6th, Grisham said about 15 former Trump administration officials. Some, she said, who ranked higher than her have held informal discussions and plan to meet in person. Well, when you have a group of misfits and losers meeting to have a discussion, well, of course we don't care. I think that there were a few of us who, again, have been sitting back watching him continue to manipulate and spread this big lie and continue to harm our country. Really. Notice she talks to the very media that did that to Trump and Russia collusion. As we started uh, some informal chats and then started throwing around ideas of what we could do, how we could, how we could formalize it. 
While Grisham did not name members of the group, three people familiar with the matter, don't you love the press? No. Said former Department of Homeland Security Chief of Staff Miles Taylor. Is that the guy that, who was anonymous, Mr. Producer? I think it was. Who was revealed to be author of Anonymous. There you are. Former National Security Official Olivia Troy, whoever that is. And Trump's one-time short-lived communications director, Anthony Scarapucci. What a loser. They're involved. But none provided more details. Never has there been such a nothing story written about such nothings like this one. It's not clear what they're going to discuss. It's not clear who the other members are. It's not clear what their plans are. They haven't told us. You know? These are just never Trumpers. These are former employees who are disgruntled. And they get together. Despite their efforts, Trump remains the most popular figure in the Republican Party. And according to recent USA Today, Suffolk Poll, a majority of Republicans, 58%, believe Joe Biden was not legitimately elected president. Tell me, how many Democrats didn't believe Trump was legitimately elected in 2016? If you talk about senior Democrats, it's 100%. If you talk about the media, it's 100%. Such frauds. Now, people like Stephanie Grisham, who come out of nowhere, who get big jobs, try to make money writing books, they try to uh, ingratiate themselves in the culture with the corrupt media, corrupt Democrats, things of that sort. That's what they try to do. This way they feel they can... uh, they can advance their careers. They have no principles whatsoever. None. None. But instead, forevermore, they're going to be known as the Rasputins that they are. The Rasputins that they are, like Liz Cheney is a Rasputin. Not because she stands for the country and the Constitution, but because she's just furthering her animus and her hate and her obsession against Trump. There's a lot of people out there who have that mindset who have all kinds of special interests and so forth that you're not aware of and I'm not aware of. I'll be right back. Mark in. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to pure talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to pure talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless.
dare to jump in again, but here we go. David, Medford, Wisconsin, the great WSAU. Go right ahead, please. Hi. Uh, it's amazing to uh, be able to talk to you, by the way, tonight. Thank you, um, brother. I called. I wanted to make a, I wanted to make a statement um, to some people, because uh, we all know the Supreme Court today uh, was hearing arguments regarding Biden's vaccine mandate. And there's a lot of people that I know, friends of mine that are Democrats, that tell me that the supply chain, that people aren't going to lose their jobs and it's all going to be fine. Well, I work in the supply chain. I work in a cheese factory up in northern Wisconsin. And um, I have talked to many people, people who aren't college graduates, people who have not uh, gone to school, people who just want to work, you know, and make a living. Some people work for eight hours a day. Some people will work longer. Some people have been working for over 30 years who are about to lose their jobs because of this mandate. Some of them are walking out. Many are walking out. Many are going to get fired because they're just not going to comply. Basically, right now, from if uh, this mandate goes through, and w- from what I'm seeing at the factory that I work at right now, from what I'm seeing, it looks like our factory that's been around for decades is going to shut down and put a lot of people out of work. And that's not just us. That's all the other factories around in our, in our area. They're all struggling with the same thing. A lot of them are boosting up their, um, their payments to people uh, because they don't have enough workers. Um, if this mandate goes through, and I'm already seeing it right now with just people already walking out, just even though it hasn't even been decided, even though it hasn't even gone through yet, there are people who have already walked out. Um, and it's made, one, our job a lot harder. It's made, us, uh, it's made it a lot harder for us to get uh, cheese out to people because, you know, running a line takes about eight people. Sometimes we're running it with three. Uh, and that's just because of how many people have walked out, just out of fear of being forced to get jabbed. Um, and I wanted to make uh, that statement known to the people. And the other thing I wanted to make clear, um, the Supreme Court right now is hearing arguments. They're the ones who are going to make the final decision. And um, if they vote yes on keeping this mandate, I'm going to lose a lot of trust in the government. Because before I believed that I learned in school, and I don't even know what they're teaching in school now, but I learned in school that the government's job was to protect the Constitution and our freedom. And right now the President of the United States is not going to do that. The Congress is not going to do that. If the Supreme Court caves on this, then who is defending our rights? Who is defending mm-hmm. our freedom? Who is defending our jobs? Like, it makes me sick and it makes me sad. And you're exactly right. You're incredibly articulate about this subject as well and you are quite right and how many supreme court justices are going to lose their jobs none they have lifetime appointments how many members of congress unless we vote them out would lose their jobs if they're not vaccinated none and we can go on and on down the line so much of what the democrats are doing is a war on the working class in this country And what they do is they benefit the super rich and they benefit the poor. But the working class in this country, the Democrat Party has left it and has nothing but contempt for it. That's the truth. Thanks for your call, David. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. 
is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. Well, the economy really is tanking, and it's very sad. None of this is necessary. This was all produced by the policies and the ideological agenda of the American Marxists in the Democrat Party and, of course, Joe Biden and his administration. They won't take any responsibility for it. It's everybody else's fault. But it's their fault. What's changed? What's changed since a year ago? The administration. That's what's changed since a year ago. And so these numbers are dismal. They come out today and 199,000 jobs created when there were supposed to be 400,000 jobs created. Record number of people leaving both by choice and by mandate, the workforce. Well, that's not a healthy economy. You look at the price of gasoline, many of you will be driving this weekend or wanting to drive this weekend. A lot of people do their grocery shopping over the weekend, or Sundays especially. You're going to see the prices through the roof. I walked through the local supermarket here, where I am in Florida. There really were empty shelves. There really were. Slim pickings, really, on these shelves. And, of course, even if you do a drive through at a fast food restaurant, the price, the price for what used to be a couple of bucks, seven, eight, nine dollars now. Now, if you're on a fixed income, or if you really don't earn a hell of a lot of money, this has an enormous impact on you. If you earn an hourly wage... Even 20 bucks an hour. Think about it. Work 10 hours a day. You earn $200. Five days a week, you earn $1,000. Some of that's taken out for uh, various payroll deductions, whether it's Social Security, Medicare, workers' comp, unemployment insurance, state and federal taxes. Then you have your property taxes if you own a home or you've got your weekly, excuse me, monthly Rent, if you lease your uh, apartment and so forth. And then if you drive to work, you drive to work, the price of a gallon of gasoline is more than doubled. If you want to eat, eat food has increased enormously. If you need to fix your car and there aren't parts available, good luck. Good luck. The Democrats are taking us where Marxists always take us, into poverty. Lack of supply, increased demand. They destroy the supply chain while complaining that the supply chain isn't working. They look for boogeymen. Big meat, for God's sakes. Big oil. Big oil made us energy independent. They went to war with big oil and they won. The government always wins. It's bigger. It's got the law on its side. And that's what's taking place in this country. 
And the Democrats want to do even more. More of the same thing. And then they lie to you. As Maduro has lied to his people. As Castro lied to his people. As Xi lies to his people. And on and on down the line. They lie. As they control, and in our country, control sometimes directly, but certainly indirectly, the media and the messaging and the narrative. The numbers are awful. But unemployment's at 3.2%, they'll remind us. Well, that has more to do with people not working, leaving the workforce, many of whom are leaving it because they get more money on the dole than they do working, or many are leaving because of the mandates. They're forced out. This is not the way a great country is supposed to operate, and this is not the American psychology. This is a psychology of a third world nation, a nation that is defeating itself. It's the psychology that is spread by the likes of Bernie Sanders and his ilk. And it's taking hold. Even though many are resisting it, it's taking hold. I can't tell you how many signs, and I take note. I'm taking notes as I drive. I mean, more than taking note, I'm taking notes. And McDonald's offering $12 an hour, plus medical benefits, begging people to work. A Wendy's, $11 an hour, plus possible tuition to community college or college, begging people to come work. Construction companies, I see signs in front around here, begging people to work. Restaurants, one of my favorite restaurants, is closed not just now on Mondays, but Tuesdays and half a Wednesday. Another restaurant that I like very much, these are basic restaurants, diners and so forth. Uh, They used to serve lunch, they can't afford to serve lunch anymore. It's breakfast and dinner, that's it, because they can't get the help. They can't get the help. But don't worry, everything's going swimmingly. Here's Joe Biden today at the White House, and this should infuriate people. It should absolutely infuriate people. Cut one, go. I think it's a historic day for our economic recovery. Today's national unemployment rate fell below 4% to 3.9%. The sharpest one-year drop in unemployment in United States history. The first time the unemployment rate has been under 4% in the first year of a presidential term in 50 years. 3.9% unemployment rate. Years faster than experts said we'd be able to do it. And we have added 6.4 million new jobs since January of last year, in one year. How many jobs have we lost? How many? How many people have left the workforce? How many? A lot. Go ahead. Most, that's the most jobs in any calendar year by any president in history. How? How? How did that happen? Well, the American Rescue Plan got the economy off its back and moving again. What was the American Rescue Plan, ladies and gentlemen? Do any of you know? I don't know. This American Rescue Plan was... Almost $2 trillion to address COVID. Almost $2 trillion to invest COVID. Most of it going to states and school districts. That had nothing to do with economic growth or economic recovery of any kind. We haven't had an economic recovery. 
period. Passing budgets, spending a nation into debt, that doesn't create economic growth. That doesn't create jobs, certainly not for the mid or long term. It does the opposite. It does the opposite wherever it's done and wherever it's tried. So let's talk about reality, not what he says. How many of you people live on Social Security and a pension? Maybe you have another pension in the private sector, but on a fixed income. Do you see an economic recovery? How many of you people earn less than $50,000 a year, a family of four? Do you see an economic recovery? How many of you truckers who go from one end of the country to the other have to fill your 18-wheelers with diesel fuel? Do you see an economic recovery? Now, you're working hard, you're working overtime, but not due to an economic recovery. But because your numbers are so limited. Economic recovery. He's a liar. He's a propagandist. That's what he is. And he's always been a liar and a propagandist. It's always been been what he is. So it's really quite appalling. And there's example after example. For instance, let's go to Julian, Manchester, New Hampshire, XM Satellite. Julian, how are you, sir? I'm doing okay. It's nice to get to speak to you. I've read all of your books. Thank you. Except for American Marxism. I have that. I just bought it. And I'll listen to that on audiobook like I do all the others. Thank you. But I run a commercial cleaning company. I... I've met Rich Valdez at uh, CPAC back when he did the the panel with Maj Torre and a couple of my friends, Sonny Johnson, Angie Stanton. All right, um, we, we don't have a lot of time, so go right ahead. I run a commercial, comp- uh, commercial cleaning company up here, and I can't hire people. We've increased our wages. Inflation is outpacing what we can increase our wages to compete with. So no matter what, at the end of the day, even though... Over the years, we've continued to pay our employees more, and we've operated throughout the pandemic. We're dealing with a supply of workers being short. People aren't coming back to work. And to hear the Biden administration say stupid stuff like more people got to give vaccine for people to come out of work, no, be honest about it. The reality mm-hmm. is that vaccinations have nothing to do with people being willing to work. They were off for two years. You have elderly people who decided to take retirement early. You have young people who got used to sitting at home and not having to do anything. People decided to really engage in their side hustles as a uh, primary means of making money and using the money that the government was giving them on changing what they want to do. it's, It's all sorts of dynamics, and this administration is just a crock full of it to to sit here and tell me that the reason we can't operate has something to do with vaccinations. Mm-hmm. And circle back, Saki can't answer a single question in the regard because she doesn't understand basic economics. None of him, his people do, and he doesn't. None of them have been in the private sector. None of them have run small business, almost none of them. Uh, they've all been in Washington. They've all worked in campaigns. They've all worked in government or academia. Uh, and if they were really in charge of putting food on the table, we'd all starve to death. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing in that sense. But they have every idea what they're doing. 
when they're centralizing decision-making in the hands of people who are utterly incompetent. Even if they were competent, you can't centralize decision-making. They have no idea how your business works. They have no idea what it takes to run your business, to hire people, to schedule people, to keep people, what's involved, how it is that you serve your customers and clients. They have no idea, so they generalize. And he gets up there, and he's so proud of what he's done. He hasn't done anything except spend, 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 spend. If spending... If spending were the answer, all these blue states uh, would be the the most uh, economically explosive states in the country. Instead, people are leaving the blue states because they're dying. Thanks for your call, my friend. Much appreciated. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Weird what you think of it various times. Thinking of this Ashley Babbitt. This poor woman goes to the protest on Capitol Hill. She served her country in the United States Air Force for 14 years. She's not armed. She's not victimizing people. She's a threat to nobody. She's one of several. And she comes into the building... She could have been waved into the building for all we know. And she climbs through where other people had climbed through. And she's shot dead with one bullet. Eyewitnesses say she was on the floor, on her back, bleeding out, looking up like she couldn't believe what had just happened to her. She couldn't believe it. And she dies right there. There's utterly no compassion for this woman. By the press, by the Democrats. No compassion for her whatsoever. She's a non-human being. She's a non-entity. Like all the rest of us, apparently. If it had been a Black Lives Matter activist who was shot by a Capitol police officer, be a completely different reaction. Completely different reaction. This woman served her country. She was a veteran. 
There's a number of people that have been charged, prosecuted, who've pled because they've been threatened with felonies to misdemeanors like trespassing or parading on public property. Parading on public property. Is that what happened in Lafayette Park? Parading on public property? Is that what happened when 60 Secret Service personnel were injured? Trying to storm the fence at the White House? Parading on public property. Trespassing. Many of them are retired police officers. Veterans. And they're roundly hated and condemned. That they threatened democracy. More than the Islamo-Nazis who attacked us on 9-11. More than the Imperial Japanese who attacked us on 1941. Douglas Brinkley even brought up the Holocaust. It's unbelievable. This poor woman who died was murdered. The police officer nothing. Officer Porter is a Porter? No, I got that wrong again, Rich. Potter, the female officer, Kim Potter, who accidentally shot dead with one bullet, a career criminal who had uh, had an outstanding warrant for his arrest, somebody who'd already shot somebody else, somebody who used his gun to rob people and threaten people, including his friends. He resisted arrest. He ran back and jumped back into his car. She meant to tase him and she meant to shoot. And instead she shot him. She's prosecuted and she's going to do prison time. Unless she wins on appeal and God willing she will. But the man who shot Ashley Babbitt is celebrated. He's a hero. Because he killed an unarmed female veteran who wasn't harming anybody. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. No 
nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Catherine, Palm Springs, California, the great KNWCZ. Catherine, how are you? Well, I'm great, and I'm honored to speak with Mr. Levin. Thank you. We all call you. We have a group, the Mensch. Really? And I'm not. I'm not Jewish, but they are all are. They call me a Mensch. Thank you for. Well, that's very nice of them. uh, Well, you you are a Mensch. You are the Mensch. Anyway, and we uh, we. uh, adore all of your books, but especially American Marxism. Thank you. Anyway, um, your screen caller, this is my fourth call. Hmm. Anyway, uh, he asked me to get to the point, which is kind of hard for me, but um, I managed $250 million for three and a half decades, and my wow. largest clients were our late, uh, no, I, I'm not boasting, I, this Why is not? humble. Our late President Gerald R. Ford and Betty Ford, and mm-hmm. everyone thought, I, all my clients thought I was a Republican, actually mm-hmm. was an independent my entire life. However, mm-hmm. my mother uh, watched Limbaugh, listened to Limbaugh, and only two years, uh, your first two years, Mm-hmm. But uh, she loved you, and she loved him, and we all love Rush. Well, yeah. Anyway, uh, so your screener told me to get to the point. My point mm-hmm. was, I love your show tonight. The mandates, <laughs> yada yada. I, I get it. Believe me. So tell me, how's that Starbucks in your neighborhood? All right, so I go to Starbucks. Uh, yeah. You know, to log on, a Wi-Fi, have a coffee. Yeah, yeah. I got I got a late start tonight, Mark. So mm-hmm. uh, today, uh, and so I go over there. It's like one thirty or forty five. I order the coffee. I sit down. I, I pop up my uh, laptop, and they mm-hmm. say, "Oh, well, we're we're closing at two p.m. Like ten fifteen minutes." Why? So I, I asked. So I asked her. Because I already mm-hmm. knew why, <laughs> mm-hmm. which dovetails into your dialogue is my only point. And thank you for taking my call. Is well, they have a shortage of people, uh, young young workers who, if they test positive, they have mm-hmm. to quarantine. Now she told me ten days. Where do they have to go uh, to McDonald's and quarantine? Dunkin' Donuts? I I don't go to either of those, honey. Sorry, Catherine, I want to thank you. Your call, excellent, excellent. I have a question, Mr. Call Screener, Mr. Producer. I don't go to Starbucks, but I'm serious about this. Do they serve drinks there? Booze? No? Just curious. So they don't add it to the coffee or anything like that? All right, just... Do they have a happy hour there? No? I'm just wondering. Maybe next door? Well, maybe I'm giving them some business ideas. JB, Lake Charles, Louisiana. Serious satellite, JB. How are you, buddy? Yes, sir. <laughs> good. I got a good story for you. I bought two of your books, 
Oh, thank and you. And I gave one to a liberal friend of mine. He's in the entertainment business. Yeah. He said, I'm not going to read it. I said, you read it, keep an open mind, and I'll buy you a book. I'll give you, I'm a writer too, so I said, I'll give you one of my books for free. Yeah, yeah. So he finally read your book. He said, he was shocked. He said, what? He, he's very uh, common sense, a smart guy. I said, yeah, that's why I listened to him. Because he hates oh. Trump, this guy, but he's changed a lot of his perspective. Well, so you, you think we might, we, you think you're working on him. It might work. Well, it's tough in the entertainment. There's some brainwash, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. So tell me, what's your last book that you wrote? Might as well tell the country. Oh, it's good. Oh, thank you. It's called The Diary of a Manic OCD Bookseller. All right. All right, my friend. I appreciate that very, very much. Let's continue. I think we shall. Let's go to James. Is that you in San Diego, XM Satellite? James, how are you? I'm good, Mark. How are you? Thanks Very for taking well, my call. Thank you. Yes, sir. So, a uh, little background. Uh, my journey through life, when I was younger, obviously more to the left, as I started Growing in my career and my life, uh, I began to see the light. One of the things that triggered that was a Navy SEAL I sat next to when I used to commute from Denver to San Diego every week who shed some light on me about the Obama administration in which I began to really dig deep and found that I was gaslit like many people are today. So I'll pre- premise it with that. But what I called about was we. I, I think I see now that this – this position on vaccines, mandates, masking, and trying to control is really to keep everyone under their thumb. My, now that Omicron has taken a complete you know, left turn on them and has really just exploded and they're losing total control, do you think at some point they will change their position to move towards therapies and focus more on therapies than trying to control the people because i think people do you feel people on the left are starting to figure this out now i think their their calculation will be utterly political and about power so if they feel making that move helps them they will right now you can see they're concerned about it they've now nationalized the distribution uh, of this antibody uh, after florida had tremendous success with it texas was having success some of the other states in most states, like your California, my Virginia, and so forth, you'd be hard-pressed to find this stuff. Uh, and it is a life-saving therapeutic. It is a life-saving therapeutic. You don't hear Fauci talk about it. You don't hear people at the CDC talk about it. You don't hear them talk about it at the FDA or, or uh, HHS. You don't hear Biden talk about it. You don't hear any of them talk about it. They just keep talking about vaccines, 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 vaccines. I was vaccinated. I had the booster. I got the virus. I got the monoclonal. And that stuff works. I was sick as a dog the first day. And the, the next day and the day after that, I got much better. And you have to get the shots or infusion, depending on uh, the delivery, uh, within 48 hours for it to be the most effective. There is no question about this. And you hear almost nothing about it. You won't hear anything about it on CNN or MSNBC or read very little about it in the news pages because they're part of the Democrat Party and they push that agenda. Why did they push Cuomo? Cuomo was among the most uh, diabolical of the dictators at the time. 
Why did they defend Newsom when he was up for recall? Same thing. The media like this whole notion of centralized totalitarianship. They just do. And the New York Times has a history, a history of defending and promoting such individuals. So uh, uh, I, I think that uh, this, had this new variant, what's really good about it is it appears to, uh, it appears to go to war with the Delta variant. Uh, and, um, and most people get sick, but they don't get deadly sick from it. And uh, I'm not sure the Democrats and the media know what to do about this exactly yet, uh, except just keep attacking Trump, 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 Trump. All right, James, excellent call. We've had some excellent calls today. Absolutely have. All right, Dave, Lexington, South Carolina, XM Satellite. Dave, you have two minutes. That's it, baby. Go ahead. Mark, I'll be as quickly as I I'll be as quick as I can. Look, big fan. I was a former New Jersey native. Um, I yeah. the moment we started working remotely, I left uh, immediately and moved to South Carolina. I'm so much happier here. My daughter's happier here. It's, it's it's almost like free land. I guess my question uh, for you is like why? I, and I know you prefer the term American Marxist, but these people. When I say these people, the Democrats and we call them Democrats. <laughs> They actually are like radical communists. And, you know, I don't know why we don't label them that way. I mean, everything they do... I'll tell you why we don't label them that way, or I don't. Because if you, if you read a lot of Marx, and it's more complicated than people think, it doesn't fit exactly within the confines of communism or Marxism. And when you read the people in this country, they've tried to customize it and tailor Marxism uh, to our history by distorting our history, so it's racism, or uh, to various uh, periods of, 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 I'll just say, national imperfection or something like that. So it is a unique kind of Marxism. So to call them radical Marxism, you'd have to assume, okay, we're going to have these marches and people are going to be rounded up and they're going to be executed. And that's the kind of criticism I would receive. You can call them radicals, you can call them American Marxists, but radical Marxists, you know, they're Marxists. And I think uh, if we can get that understanding uh, in our culture and get people to talk about it, it's a good thing. Thanks for your call, my friend. I got to go. Be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. something very, very special this Sunday. 
let's try to get the biggest ratings we've ever had on Life, Liberty, and Levin. Let's give it a try. Would you like to join us? Let's have the biggest town hall meeting of patriots that they've ever seen on Sunday night on cable. 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 8 p.m. Eastern Time. If you can't be there, DVR it. It counts the same way. And I've lined this up so it's a very, very powerful and intriguing show. I have a monologue, I think, that you'll be talking about later. And the guest for the entire rest of the time is the great governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, in person, in my Florida studio. So let's see if we can't make this the biggest of the big. It's the first brand new show of the new year. Oh, I know there's Sunday night football. Don't worry about it. You can DVR the show if you're that into football. I'm not. But you can watch it live, too. And as I say, you're going to really like this show. And Governor DeSantis, well, he's the gold standard. And he has some really, really interesting things to say, many of which you haven't heard yet. And uh, he was very comfortable in talking with me. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. This Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, let's join together, Levinites, one and all. And in your honor, America.
don't forget this Sunday, we all meet in the biggest town hall meeting in the nation. 8 p.m. Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I promise you it won't be a waste of your time. DVR it if you can't be there live with the rest of us. All right, the week is officially over. The weekend begins now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Gigi and Indy. And good night, little Barney. Ah, oh, we love you all. Man, oh man, do I miss you. And speaking of missing, good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. Good night, Leo. And good night, Joe. Take care of yourself, America. Good night. Good night.